When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, and I can tell you that Derek Moncrief, the linebacker freshly signed by the Edmonton Elks, Dave Campbell reporting this afternoon that he's going to be on the suspended list. Now, this isn't because he did anything wrong, but because he has to go through his seven-day quarantine period. So we're not going to see him on the field, obviously, on Saturday. I don't know about the following Saturday against Winnipeg, but this guy uh, was really good. His three years with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders was in the NFL last season. So remember that name, new linebacker for the Elks, Derek Moncrief. Not good news here for the Canadian soccer team. Star Alfonso Davies will not play tomorrow against El Salvador as Canada uh, continues its World Cup qualifying. They have a couple of 1-1 draws so far. They did get a pretty big point out of the United States over the weekend. But Canada Soccer saying tonight that the 20-year-old fullback injured and flying back to Germany to continue his recovery. It didn't uh, give any details on the injury. He looked in pain when he left the game against the United States in the 75th minute. So that'll thing, uh, make things a little tougher for Canada Wednesday against El Salvador, though they are going to be back home for that match. The Edmonton Elks will get back to practice tomorrow. Their game is Saturday, 3.30 countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Ched. And then the game at 5. Going to be a fun weekend in the CFL. You have three uh, rematches. You have a triple header on Sunday as we are already quickly approaching the halfway point of the season in this 14-game campaign. Okay, so uh, the CSI shows, there was there was CSI, that ended in 2016. There was CSI Miami, that had 10 seasons from 02 to 12. There was CSI New York. Uh, then I guess there was a show called CSI Cyber. And now starting this fall, there's going to be CSI Vegas. So CSI Vegreville is uh is in development i believe cam moon is interested in getting on board so moon and i are going to work on that csi vegreville the csi team's going to be uh, have their headquarters inside the giant easter egg and they're going to investigate um you know stolen holop chi and uh, maybe some kucha and uh, the the like the arch villain will maybe have something to do with borscht so that'll be csi vegreville and we're going to launch that as quickly as possible we're currently casting by the way you can send in your demo tape to inside sports at 630chet.com really appreciate you tuning in tonight that's <laughs> uh as besides uh talking about television shows we have in development we talked to some very relevant sports figures we had ken holland on the show in the first half hour blake dermott broke down the elks victory yesterday and i'm pleased to welcome back to the 630 chat airwaves a former member of your edmonton oilers and I'll, I'll also throw this in because i used to cover this league a former star in the alberta junior hockey league fernando pasani is on the line fernando how are you doing do we have fernando yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, I got you now. I didn't hear you yeah. at first. How are oh, you doing, sorry. sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's a pleasure to, to catch up with you. Hey, I, I want to ask you about a couple other things before we, we dive in. Of course, you are of uh, Italian heritage. 
I, I don't know if this was on your radar or not, but it sure was for Gene Principe, who we talked to last week. Did, were, did you get right into the Euro and, and bask in the Italian victory this summer? Yeah, I'm a bandwagon jumper. As soon as uh, the Euro or the World Cup uh, starts, I kind of get involved and start to watch. But I'm not, uh, I'm not a diehard, uh, diehard fan. Do you? I asked. I had Natea Jay on the show a couple weeks ago, and Natea used to play for the Elks. Spent several years as a receiver in the CFL, and uh, for some reason, he and I started talking about soccer, and he he played as a kid. And I asked what he thought about the embellishment. <laughs> as a hockey player, do you struggle with that? And I know sometimes hockey players might do it, but I don't think they do it as, as often as soccer players. Do, do you struggle with that part of the game, or do you accept that as something that's more acceptable yeah, in soccer? I, I struggle with it. I think, you know, it's tough to watch, and you don't obviously see a lot of it in hockey and soccer a little bit more so, but... Um, but now the referees are, you know, with the video review and they're kind of, they're more in tune to it and let, let plays happen and let plays develop. So they're doing a much better job of kind of keeping an eye on it. And, you know, they're smart guys. They know who's kind of been pushing it, trying to get away with it and, and who's actually, you know, getting tripped up. So I think it's, it's come a long way in that regard. So, but yeah, it has, it's tough to, tough to watch because you don't see it. Uh, you know, a lot in hockey. The odd time you see it here and there, but uh, not a ton. Would it? Was it frustrating, annoying to play against a player in the National Hockey League that you know maybe had that reputation, or maybe you go into the corner with and you're like, "Come on, I didn't hit you that hard, or my stick didn't get you up there," and you're snapping your head back? Did you have moments yeah, like that? Yeah, there's a, there's a few guys that do, you know, do the old embellishment and. You know, like I said, it's one of those things where you you hope the refs are smart enough to kind of see it and see through it and look who it is. But yeah, there has been you know instances where you don't even do anything. Your stick hits the guy in the waist and he snaps his head back, right? So it's uh, yeah, there's always those type of guys that play, and that's their role to agitate and to kind of you know draw penalties and and create power plays for their team. Yeah. All right. Fernando Pisani joining us on Inside Sports. We are into the first week of September. What was this time of year like for you when you were in the NHL? Like how, how long would have you been skating? What sort of workout stuff would you already have under your belt when you were a couple of weeks away from training camp? Yeah. September, usually you're just kind of ramping up. Uh, well, not ramping up, but you're, you know, you're getting on the ice every single day and just kind of slowing your workout uh, down just a bit uh, uh, so you're not exhausted when you get into camp. And September is always exciting because you're just getting ready for, for a new season and you start and um, lots of ambition and excitement and, you know, wanting to have a big year and, you know, a breakout year and, and score goals. And so you have your mindset, you know, trying to focus on doing that. So when you when you played in the NHL, were your summer plans, and, and maybe it was a mixture, maybe it was different every year, but that's what I want to ask you. Was it more about strength or more about flexibility and agility for you? Uh, it was kind of everything. Um, we tried to make sure that my strength, as soon as the season ended, I usually took, you know, a couple, three weeks off and then just to kind of reset. And then after that, you, you know, your main focus is, you know, everybody's trying to get stronger and faster. So you're, you're doing that and um, just looking for different ways and different advantages to, 
you know, enhance your performance. And, you know, every, every trainer is trying to, you know, think of different creative ideas and flexibility and strength and what, you know, they feel will, will help you. And, um, you know, and as a player, you're always trying to capitalize on that and, and hope that gives you the edge to kind of, you know, be ready for the season. <clears throat> what did you ever have a personal trainer or a, a teammate or somebody you worked out with because like we see all these videos of these guys sometimes it's traditional weightlifting, but then it's uh, pushing a tractor tire or trying to pull a fire engine or i, I saw uh, i think it was a junior player jumping up onto a tire on his skates so he's jumping up onto a rounded surface so what did you ever do anything that you thought okay man this is this is way outside the box how is this going to work yeah you know what i did um one year there was a machine that um I can't even remember what it was called, but I would put that on my muscles. It was like a tense machine that just fired up your muscles and it would make it to a point where they would spasm and you would try to do a workout, you know, while your muscles muscles are spasming. And at the time I'm like, you know what, you're exhausted. You do a half an hour workout and you're just completely gassed. But looking back, I don't think it did, it did anything other than hurt a lot. So that actually does I sound. Wouldn't, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that for for anyone. Yeah, that does sound extremely <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Looking imagine. back, I was like, "What was I thinking?" But yeah, that was the one thing that I was kind of, you know, you just you try to look at different ways to, to, you know, to give you that edge, and you know, that was kind of one of those machines that just came out, and uh, you would just put it on different, you know, muscle groups and focus on that muscle group and it would really just kind of squeeze and, and intensify your muscles and you would try to, you know, do, you know, a squat while it's on your legs. And it was just, uh, yeah, it was pretty excruciating. And then you would increase the tension or, or uh, decrease it based on, you know, the amount of reps you're doing. So it was, there was a science behind it, but I still haven't figured out what that science meant. So. <laughs> Well, thanks for being open about that. It didn't turn you into the Incredible Hulk or anything. Yeah, hey, uh, well. <laughs> but before we get into Kobe's kids, and this is awesome, you're, you're part of this, I'll, I'll just get um, you know a, a quick thought on some of the off-season changes. I, I mean, look, you, I, Brownie, everybody, I mean, it was pretty obvious the last couple of years what the orders are missing. They got two or three guys that bring most of the offense and, and they're struggling to find uh, things uh, other than that. When, when you saw Pugliarvi's development uh, and you see the additions of Hyman and Fogel, are those the right guys in your mind? Do you feel a little more optimistic about them being able to to spread the attack around? Because the Oilers teams that you played on that, that had success, and when you went to the final in 06, I mean, yeah, you had star players, but but a lot of guys, yourself included, chipped in pretty significantly. Is this Is it more well-rounded up front, do you think, for Edmonton this year? You know what? I think with the addition of Hyman, I think that's a huge, um, a huge added plus for for the guys up front. Um, just gives another element of scoring. And you know, I'm not one of those guys to criticize. You know, a GM making making moves and trying to you know create things and, and make things happen and make his club better. Um, I kind of like to just wait and see and see how it all plays out. Uh, but I do think you know the additions of uh, of those guys is you know it's definitely going to help and um you know but at the end of the day you do need help from you know your bottom you know third and fourth line guys to contribute and 
you know, chip in or just even eat up ice time and even just be a, a an even player, right? Just to kind of take away some heavy minutes from, you know, from your big players. You know, your forwards playing 24, you know, 23 minutes. Those are those are heavy minutes for a forward to play on a consistent basis, and then to try and carry that on into playoffs. Like, uh, I don't care how great a shape you are, and um, you know, there's going to be lots of wear and tear on the body. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hopefully those guys are, they'll spread the scoring around a little bit more than they've had in the past. Okay, you are part of uh, the brand new Colby Kids program. This is being built off the Oilers second shift program that was introduced in 2019. Now, of course, Colby's Kids, it's honoring Colby Cave. Uh, It's going to give an opportunity for all all kinds of kids to get into the game of hockey. I think there are sessions starting throughout the year. Uh, You're involved. Kyle Brodziak is involved. Uh, Jason Chimera is involved. Hockey Edmonton is going to supply... some instructors as well I, I know this has been i mean i know you're into coaching but this has been an important thing for you ever since you retired to coach in the community and work with young players and uh, I, I think it's a really awesome way to, to keep colby cave's memory going as well yeah it, you know it's a great program for kids who aren't really sure if they want to play a sport or how to really get involved it's something that you know anybody can come in and join and all we do is we do lots of skill development play lots of games and it's kind of an introduction in, into hockey uh, more than anything and you know Edmonton minor hockey provides us with some great uh, great instructions guys to come on the ice and help out and we just want to make it a positive and fun experience for for all the kids and uh, this year Kyle Brodziak is going to be joining us and, and Jason so uh, and you know Jason he's fired up all the time so he gets the kids riled up and gets them going so it, it creates a really fun atmosphere out there yeah and uh, you can register now edmontonoilers.com slash youth hockey uh, I think October 31st is the first session and I believe by then Brodziak will finally be unthawed from taking part in that uh, <laughs> the world's <laughs> longest hockey game yeah. I think he'll finally be okay <laughs> Yeah, it's, it starts, the first session is October 31st, and then they'll run throughout the year um, at, at different times. So um, if people want to join in, I, I believe there's still room available. And uh, it's been it's been a huge success in the past. And uh, parents who don't know anything about the game or don't know um, how to get their kid involved, this is a great stepping stone for them to do so. Yeah, well said. Well, Fernando, thanks for doing this. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I always enjoy our chats. I know fans love hearing from you, and its uh, I, I know they really respect that you you remain heavily involved in the local hockey community, so good for you for doing that, man. We'll talk down the road. All right, thanks, Reed. Take care. That is Fernando Pisani checking in tonight on Inside Sports, former member of uh, your Edmonton Oilers, briefly was a Chicago Blackhawk as well, and as I referenced, was a St. Albert Saint from 1993 to uh, 1996. What a 95-96, Fernando Pisani with the St. Albert Saints, 103 points in 58 games, pretty good. And then Providence College before eventually becoming an NHLer. Yeah, this the Colby Kids, uh, Colby's Kids program, uh, really good stuff. Like we said, it's uh, Pisani's involved, Chimera, Brodziak, bunch of hockey Edmonton instructors, edmontonoilers.com slash youth hockey if you want to find out more about that. Good to have you tuning in tonight. Always awesome to catch up with Fernando Pisani. I'm sure we'll talk to him a couple times throughout the Oilers season as well. My goodness, we got a preseason game on the radio on Sunday, September 26th. 
The next Elks games are the next two Saturdays. This coming Saturday, they host Calgary. Next Saturday, the 18th, they're going to be taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Man, oh, man, Winnipeg uh, looked really good against Saskatchewan. Just steady, took over the game as it went along. I, I, I've always thought, Angie, you probably weren't working at the station. I, I would always pick Zach Kalaros to win the most outstanding. Well, like two years in a row, I picked him to win the most outstanding player. And he got hurt both years. And then he got traded around the league and finally won the great cup last year with Winnipeg. I've always enjoyed uh, watching him Winnipeg. Uh, I think they are the number one team right now in the Canadian football league. We had Ken Holland on the show earlier, the GM president of hockey operations for Edmonton Oilers. We'll recap a couple key parts of that interview before we sign off at eight o'clock tonight. He gave an update on the status of Kyler Yamamoto as he remains an unsigned restricted free agent. And he also touched on Alex Stalock, the goaltender who did not play a game in the NHL last season he did practice with the Oilers and he has been playing summer hockey and uh you know he's coming to camp to try to win a job though obviously the Oilers have Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen under contract so we'll see how that all plays out I can also tell you this and we'll have more on this tomorrow but I'll mention it as a little bit of a teaser here uh Grey Cup's going to be at the game on Saturday and we'll have a segment on the show tomorrow telling you why and what's going on I believe right at little old Commonwealth stadium on Saturday night. It is going to be the first public appearance for the great cup since the game in 2019. That, that is what I've been told, but we'll have to clarify that tomorrow and get all the details. All right. We got the news, the weather. We're going to dive in to high school football with, uh, I believe he's Edmonton's current longest serving coach in the high school ranks. Great story. Great guy coming up. Well, good evening, everybody. Thanks for checking out the show tonight. Elks with a big victory yesterday, 32-20. Back at it on Saturday, 3.30, the countdown to kickoff right here on 6.30, Chet. And then the game is going to start at 5. Canadian Felix Auger Aliassime leading Alcaraz 3-2 in the first set in quarterfinal action at the U.S. Open earlier today, the young Canadian Leila Fernandez advancing with a victory over Svitolina, 6-3, 3-6, 6 So she moves on to the semifinals. I uh, stayed up late last night watching the end of the Bianca Andreescu match. Unfortunately, she was eliminated clearly in a lot of pain late uh, in that match. She uh, was toughing it out best she could, but unfortunately, she was uh, eliminated after winning the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. Blue Jays leading the Yankees 4-1. That one is after 7 Speaking of the Elks, they have signed linebacker Derek Moncrief. He uh, will be on the suspended list for seven days while he's in quarantine, so we don't know when he will be on the field and when he will play in a game. And uh, Edmonton's Alfonso Davies will not play for Canada tomorrow in World Cup qualifying against El Salvador. He has an undisclosed injury, and he's actually gone back to Germany to get treatment. So that is the latest there. Well, you know, the the story, obviously, of the, the world over the last year and a half is uh, more what happened hasn't been able to happen than opposed to uh, what has happened in some cases. And amateur sports have really suffered, but uh, they are getting back at it. There, there are going to be some modifications along the way, but they are playing. And that includes high school football in the province of Alberta and right here in Edmonton. And I am pleased to welcome to inside sports, the head coach at Ross Shep. It is Brian Buczynski checking in tonight. Brian, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Very well. Uh, yourself? 
I'm doing very well. It is awesome to have you on the show, Brian. Um, you know, I, I always get the the weekly emails from Tim Anger at Football Alberta and very excitedly proclaiming that the uh, high school football rankings are back and uh, things are getting a little bit more back to normal for high schools and their athletes. Uh, Ross Shep ranked 10th going into the season in Tier 1. You guys have already played a game that you were able to win over Sturgeon. Um, you know, from a coach's standpoint, um, just what was it like kind of going through last year and what, if anything, were you able to do with your athletes? Well, it, it was tough last year because what happened was um, all sports – uh, stopped in high schools. Um, then what happened was you had um, Football Alberta, the CDMFA, Football Canada. They put together a great package with in terms of protocol if there ever was a return to sport. And so we, we were ready to go. So we kept on saying to the kids, well, you know, we just have to wait a little bit longer and see what happens. And then it would look like things would get going. And then we, we were hit with the... Um, variants and again that put it behind so it's been really really tough on the kids it's been tough on coaches too and it's been tough on parents because everybody has been wanting to see something go and and it just didn't happen and then this year like like the buzz around june was hey sports look like they're going to go and and uh, you could just start to see this feeling start to uh, grow again in the school about excitement about okay there's great things coming up so it's been good well, yeah, I was wondering about that. Uh, I'm glad there's excitement. Did did losing a year, though, the way you did, did that affect the numbers at all? I mean, maybe kids who would have jumped into it last year in grade 10, they, they're not playing in grade 11, or kids who played in grade 10, they're they're not coming back for uh, for grade. Like, did it did it cost any any players some interest here along the way in any numbers? Well, uh, you know, we we thought it was going to cost um, in terms of numbers. But it was kind of interesting because <clears throat> having that lull, I guess, if you want to call it, or where kids couldn't play. So right now, when when you look at most high school teams, they'll have grade 11s who have never played before because they missed their grade 10 season. And then you'll get grade 10s coming in who might have had bad bantam football the year before. So it's a real blend now. You get some kids who were strong football players and probably played senior when they had their grade 10 year that are now in grade 12. And then you get this blend between kids in grade 11 who've never played before uh, with kids in grade 10 who have had some experience. So it's that way it's kind of been a little bit difficult. But when it came to numbers, like I said, we were hoping for about 45-50 on August 16th when camp opened up and we ended up with about 76 kids uh, across the city. Coaches been talking and, I mean, there's a, a real buzz. Emmy Lazard had 90 kids out for football. And so I think what it is is a lot of kids now just want to make the most of their high school years because they know they've missed a full year. Well, that's good to hear for sure. So uh, everything's getting rolling again. Uh, Brian, uh, how long have you been the head coach at Ross Shepard now? I, I went to Ross Shepard in 1987. You, you've so, been coaching Ross since 1980. So you've been the head football coach for 34 years. I'm doing math on the fly here. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, the year of COVID, yeah. And then I was at McNally for seven years prior to that. Oh, and you were the head coach at McNally as well? Yes. Now, what first, so we're going back to basically 1979 that you've been coaching <laughs> high school football in Edmonton, which is pretty amazing. Do you remember why or how you first got into it? 
Uh, you know what? I always had, um, when I was in high school, I had great coaches and, and mentors. And uh, they always said, give back to the program and, and give back to your community. And, and when I went on, when I finished high school, I went and played with the Wildcats. And we had another coach just like that, Jim Lazarek, who always said that, Everybody's giving free time to you that you have to make sure you give back to the community. And I know how much of an impact that made in my life and how important sports were. And to this day, we talk to kids about it's not just the game of football. It's about learning life skills. It's about learning how to get along with others. And there's so much more than just the game of football to um, learn about. And so I still believe that's really, really important. And that's why I'm still coaching. All right, I'm going to ask you a tough one here. What's the greatest team you've ever had? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I would probably say it was probably 2006 or 2007. And the reason why is we had Hugh O'Neill. He was our middle linebacker. And, you know, typically football coaches either um, uh, decide – not to choose the ball or the field at the start of the game, they defer. Well, what we would do, he was our middle linebacker and he was our kicker. So every time we had the chance, we would kick off. And then what would end up happening is he'd kick it down to about the five or the goal line. He was the all-star that year. He was the Halliburton winner. He was in on every tackle. They'd end up punting after two plays. And as long as we were inside the 40, it was always a 3 nothing game. So I'd say that probably that was probably one of the best teams that uh, we've seen that's gone through there and i mean it was it, they had a fantastic year and i'm not sure which one of those years but i think there was one of those years we actually only gave up three points all year oh my god <laughs> so you won provincials that year then no actually that was before the provincial started provincials <clears throat> okay and then the two leagues got together around 1999 1998 so okay and so, Dad, this would have probably been right in that one. But, no, we didn't. We actually lost, I think it was to Salisbury in the, in the All right. playoff game. Okay. I, I actually didn't know that, that Hugh O'Neill was a, a kicker. I, I had never unearthed that. Or was a, sorry, was a linebacker as well. I always knew him as a kid. Because he went to the U of A, right? That's when I first started hearing about him. Yeah, well, he was actually, like I said, he was, um, like I said, he was the most valued player of the league as a linebacker. But when he went to the Bears, they, they like, Basically, and it makes sense, right? Like his calling was going to be a kicker, and then and he had a great. And the Bears did a great job because they had a coach specifically for him, and so it was a great opportunity for him to get into the CFL. And then from there, it's just like he's been there for a fair number of years as well. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so you know, in in all those years um, as the coach. Um, What's the, I mean, we talk about a coach having an effect on his, on his players. What do you think is the the biggest lessons you've learned from your players over the years? I mean, working with different generations of young people. Uh, You know what? I think every group is different. And, you know, even I'll talk even about this group that we have this year. And, you know, it's, we take so much for granted sometimes from some of these kids that of, of things that they know and they don't know. And uh, I guess you, you li- if you listen to them <laughs> when they speak, you really find out about how much they actually do know about sports and things like that. But the one thing I guess I could say is they all want to learn. They all want to do well. There isn't a kid out there that wants to go, go out and, and underperform. And I think that 
that I've found out that you just, as long as you keep believing in them, it'll take big dividends in the end, right? And so just never to quit on kids. And now is it, is it not also true you have retired from teaching, but you're still going to keep coaching the football team? Yes, I retired in, in 2020. And actually the reason why I think I kept teaching, not and I enjoyed my classroom for sure, was because of coaching. And so I thought it would be a little bit different. And now that I'm um, retired, I'm going, wow, I don't know how I got everything done because there's so much to do, but at least I have time. And I've got a great coaching staff that are fantastic. They're, and and. I started there in 87. There's another one of our coaches who's been there since 87. Another one's been there since 88. So you can tell that it's a pretty tight-knit group of coaches as well. And you know what? We're there because we enjoy ourselves. We love being around these kids. Are, are you coaching with uh, – I, I think I was looking at your coaches. Is, is there a, a relative or a son that's on your coaching staff? Yes, actually, that's my son. He teaches physics at the school. And uh, we're now co-head coaches because he does all the work inside the school. Right, so he does all the advertising and everything, and getting kids organized and things like that. So, but he's been coaching there probably since high school is over, so pretty close to 14 years. So he played five years with the Huskies, won a couple of national championships, and uh, so. But he was coaching once he left high school, so he's been around for quite a long time as well. And he's a great oh. coach. Uh, well, like, how special is that to to be able to coach with your son? Like, that's that's such a unique experience. Yeah, you know, you you never realize it, not just coaching, but also teaching as well, right? So now, I, when he first came to Shep, I was called Old B, and he, and he was Young B, <laughs> right? And uh, I don't, I kind of went, ah, right? But, I mean, it, it, it's, it's great to see, um, the, like, everything that he's learned from the game. And now he's he's giving back to it too, and and he's enjoying himself. He realizes how much time it is for sure, and it's tough. He has a young family, but um, he's really enjoying himself as well. How was how the high school football scene um, in Edmonton changed over the? And like I always reference, I I didn't go to high school here, so I kind of know like sort of who the powerhouses are. I know Ainley's usually good in, in most sports, but, uh, and, and, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of rivalries, but I, how, how would you sort of say the high school football scene is like, is it more competitive? Is it, is it deeper over the years or, or how would you sum that up? I'd, I'd say that schools go in hills and valleys. I mean, for five years, we were either uh, in a city championship or we lost in the semifinals and, and everybody, I think, seems to go through there. I think the biggest change, though, that you've noticed is uh, through Football Alberta, Football Canada, they really stress coach education. And so um, they're not playing, I guess, catch-up. And, like, you know that the NFL and CFL is really proactive about um, taking any kind of dangerous situations out of the game. And Football Alberta and Football Canada have, have courses. So I think what you're doing is you're seeing more people are getting involved, are doing coach education and developing their skills. And it's made it into like a high level of, of the game. Like it's probably one of the best uh, leagues in, in Western Canada for sure. I actually showed one of um, our ex-players who was at the time he was coaching at CHEP and, and teaching at CHEP. And I took a film from the 90s. And, and he looked at it, and he didn't realize he was the fullback in that game. 
Oh. And he looked and he said, boy, this is bad football, right? <laughs> <laughs> and this was in the 2000s, right? And I said, yeah, well, do you know who that guy is? That's you, right? And he goes, that's what we looked like? And I said, yes, that's how far it's come. And and when you think about it, universities now, there's more and more universities that are looking to high school kids. And it's because, A, you're finding out that they, they understand, they learn the game a little bit more. And I think the other big thing that I've noticed, too, um, in, say, the last 15 years, is when kids come out of high school now, they know what training is. They know how to lift weights. They do um, – um, uh, they're all involved usually in a sports performance program within the school. But when they come out of high school now, they're pretty well prepared to either play junior or university. Right. All right. Well, Brian, this this was a great chat. Uh, I, I mean, I can just tell how passionate you are about coaching, and, and I appreciate the update, and it's glad that high school football's uh, diving into a season here. What's next for Ross Shep? When do you guys play next? Well, we're, we're, we get to play here only this Friday at 4.30 at Footfield. And actually, we're excited about it because, you know what, like I tell our kids is that they, this team has not lost a game in two, I'll say two seasons because we missed a season. They're off to a, a really good start. I mean, they do a great job there. But somewhere down the line, somebody's going to beat them, and at least we get the first crack at it. And that's what I keep telling our kids. We just work hard. We do what we do, and and uh, we work as hard as we possibly can. And no matter what the outcome, it's it's we're going to be happy with what we have. Right on. Well, Brian, thanks for checking in tonight. Uh, thanks for sharing some memories of your great career as well. All the best in the upcoming season. Thank you so much. That is Brian Buczynski, head coach of the Ross Shepherd high school football team that is very cool love talking to him I, I, there's probably some of you out there listening that he coached you or taught you there's no real well dave campbell the producer of the show when we were talking about having brian on today he was like yeah he, he's like yeah that was my high school uh, gym teacher <laughs> that was brian Bujinski from rod shep Yeah, that was awesome. That was Brian Buczynski. He's been coaching high school football in Edmonton since 1979. McNally, and then in 1987, he goes to Rush Up. He was absolutely uh, an absolute pleasure to talk to. We had Ken Holland, Oilers general manager, on the show earlier. I asked him what is going on with a new contract for Kyler Yamamoto. Touch base with his agent, uh, J.P. Berry, in the last couple of days. We planned to talk. Um... Obviously, we've got uh, work to do or else he would be signed by now. Um, you know, anytime there's a player who's not signed, there's a difference of an opinion. Um, but, uh, you know, you just, you know, basically uh, we talked a lot all three, four weeks ago and then kind of decided to kind of let's take a break and the plan is to get him signed here at some point in time and, 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 and prior to training camp because ideally I'd like to get into training camp Um with everybody signed but at the same time it's it's you know the, there's the business aspect of hockey and and the deal's got to make sense for Kyler and his agent and it's also got to make sense for the Edmonton Oilers all right so we continue to wait there goaltender Alex Stalock what does his future look like with the Edmonton Oilers He's motivated. He came into a tough situation last year. We picked him up out of waivers and off of waivers, and everybody sort of you needed three goalies. And you know it's a short season. Mike Smith was uh, was 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 I think he played 32 of the, the last 45 or 46 games, and and um, you know he didn't get really get a chance to play. So I know he was real disappointed. 
All right. And, uh, you know, Holland said Stalock's ready to come to training camp and compete for a job. And we'll see what goes on from there. Holland said that it would be his preference to carry two goaltenders, not three, once we get into the season. Blue Jays looking good tonight. Now in the top of the ninth, they lead the Yankees 5-1. So they're trying to close out that game. Canadian OJ Aliasim at the U.S. Open. Has taken the first set. He has taken the first set against Alcaraz. 6-3. Second set just getting underway. Great story earlier today. The Canadian Fernandez on the women's side. Layla Fernandez winning her match to move forward into the semifinals. The Elks back on the practice field tomorrow after winning yesterday's Labor Day Classic in Calgary. Linebacker Derek Moncrief has indeed been signed by the Elks. He is in quarantine now for seven games, so we don't know when for sure he's going to be able to get into game action, but uh, that's a pretty exciting signing. He was uh, outstanding when he played for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders from 2017 to 2019. Besides Ken Holland tonight, you heard from Blake Dermott, Fernando Pisani, Brian Buczynski. Don't forget Bob Stoffer as Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. Angie Quinnell, your studio operator this evening. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.